Good morning. morning. Now y'all can do better than that. We're excited for Jesus. Good morning. morning. Thank you. Welcome to worship here at Northminster Church. Whether you are joining us in person or online, we are so glad that you are here. If you're visiting with us this morning, we offer a special word of welcome and hope you will join us in all aspects of our worship service this morning, including communion. Um, If you're new here, this table is open to all who come and worship with us because it is God's table. And if you uh, need instructions about communion, you will find those in your order of worship. We would appreciate it as we gather this morning. If you would fill out and pass the attendance register, you'll find at the center end uh, of your uh, row of chairs, pass that down and let everybody fill that out. And then as we begin our time together this morning, I want to highlight a few things for you. Uh, The first is to ask you to continue to be in prayer for all of those on our prayer list, but particularly for the Tubbs and RO families. Uh, I want to remind you of our August mission emphasis. You'll find more information about that on your insert. And then two quick notes about our worship service this morning. The first is that you will notice there is a different version of the Lord's Prayer as an insert in your order of worship. We will use that when we get to communion. And then the second note is that if you look at the last page of your order of worship, you will notice that we are going to sing stanzas one through four of our final hymn. So if you sing verse five, you're going to be singing a solo. (laughs) And now I'm going to ask, and I hope we can do this together every week, that we take a deep breath. We're going to do this a couple of times, and it might feel a little strange, but that's okay. If you're comfortable, put both feet flat on the floor. Let that breath fill you from your toes all the way up. As you breathe in, breathe in the joy of being in this good place together this morning. As you breathe out, breathe out your to-do list. Breathe out the dread of school starting soon. Breathe in again. Know that you are loved by God. And then let let us worship together. And Beth is going to come give us a recap of Vacation Bible School.
Now, if you would, please join me in our call to worship. We look to the rulers of this earth for leadership, wisdom, and strength. We look to family and friends for love, compassion, and hope. God offers another look. God's Spirit will sustain us. Come, my siblings in Christ. We are all God's family now.
2 Corinthians. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with Scripture, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and therefore we also speak because we know that the one who raised Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and will present us with you in his presence. Indeed, everything is for your sake so that grace, when it is extended to more and more people, may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart even though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day for our slight momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what we can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Words of faith that speak to us today. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. What a wilderness road this is, O oh God, our God. You call us to engage its mysteries, its challenges, and its unexpected encounters, and we call you to guide us and be with us along this journey. No matter how far we wander, how wild the wilderness, whether our days feel easy or our lives feel burdened, you are our hope, our praise, and our satisfaction. So in gratitude, we take time to silently name our joys before you this morning. Trusting in your faithfulness, appeal to, appealing to your grace, we silently voice our stresses, our worries, our fears, and our sadnesses. Be a loving presence, we pray, O oh God, and a healing touch to all who need you. Tip your hand at long last and let justice flow. Strengthen those who are marching in the streets, calling for a new day. Sustain those in marble halls who are working to overturn racism in our institutions. We long for your love and your peace in our world and in our lives, because you insist that we find your love in one another. Embolden us to be shameless, foolish even, and risking love for the sake of heaven and earth. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
A reading from Genesis chapter 2. Then the Lord God formed the earth creature from the dust of the ground and breathed into its nostrils the breath of life, and the creature became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the creature whom he had formed. The Lord God took the creature and put it in the garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the creature, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is it... It is not good that the creature should be alone. I will make it a helper as its partner. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to the creature to see what it would call them. And whatever the creature called every living thing, that was its name. The earth creature gave names to all cattle and to the birds of the air and to every animal of the field. But for the creature, there was not found a helper as a partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the creature, and it slept. The Lord took one of its ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the creature, God made into a woman and brought her to the creature. Then the creature, the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of man this one was taken. Therefore a man leaves his father and his mother and clings to his wife, and they become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. An ancient story of beginning. Thanks be to God. Friends, let's pray together. O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. And may we hear a word from you today. Amen. This morning begins what will end up being a five-week series that I'll be preaching about names. What we call God, what God calls us, what God calls herself, and all of the things in between. So we begin this morning at the beginning with this story of creation from Genesis and my official dubbing of each of you as an honorary seminary student. (laughs) This is a one-day-only offer. This will be a one-day-only Old Testament class. There are no tests, and we can go have lunch after. (laughs) As your professor, it's my duty to first make sure you all know that there are two unique creation stories in Genesis. You wouldn't think I would have to say that, but in my actual Old Testament class in seminary, one of the women there didn't think that there were two stories, and she ended up leaving after that first semester. (laughs) My second duty as your professor is to explain that despite this text's second position when you're reading through Genesis, it is actually the older of the two creation narratives. Scholars agree that Genesis 2 dates to the Davidic period when King David was king, when Israel was a sovereign nation, while Genesis, the, excuse me, the first chapter of Genesis is actually from the exilic period, while the Israelites are in Babylon considerably later. You also have to keep in mind through our time together that Genesis is not a history book or a science book or a book about God's definition of gender roles. (laughs) Genesis is, as Dr. Will Gaffey puts it, poetry and prose, a theological accounting of how things that were seen, known, and imagined came to be. This text is replete with puns and double entendres and multiple readings. So in short, Genesis is one people group's explanation of how creation and humanity came to be on this planet. Now, we've reached the participation portion of our class. If you're going to study the Old Testament, you have to know some biblical Hebrew. It's a must. We all suffer through it in seminary, so now I'm going to pass this along to you. 
I would like for you in a moment to repeat after me. Here's the word I want you to say first. Ha, and you really need to get that flimmy feel. Ha Adam. Ready? Ha Adam. Excellent. This is the Hebrew word for earth or ground. And we're focusing on this word because of its relationship with the next one that you're going to learn. Simple. Adam. Not Adam. Adam. Well done. As you can hear from those two words, they go together. This is a clever bit of Hebrew wordplay because Adam comes from Ha-Adam. It's an English equivalent um, because our word for human comes from the Latin word humus, hummus, in other words. And so some scholars talk about this would be like the Eng- English equivalent of humans coming from the hummus. You with me so far? Okay. In addition, understanding this playfulness of the Hebrew in these verses gives us a moment to rethink what we've been taught about binary gender in this story. It's a second chance for us to understand that using the word he or him to describe Adam isn't really accurate. Because at this point, here in this story, Ha-Adam doesn't have a gender. Let me say that again. It'll take you a minute. Ha-Adam doesn't have a gender. If you grew up Southern Baptist, this might be blowing your mind. But as Phyllis Tribble, Dr. Phyllis Tribble, explains in her classic book, God and the Rhetoric of Sexuality, the Adam, this creature, is best understood not as a man, but as an earth creature. For it is neither a particular person nor the type of person that we think of when we think of a human, but rather a creature from the earth. Ha-adama is what that is in the Hebrew. Now with the exception of the nostrils into which God breathes, the physical details of the earth creature's body are sparse. But most importantly, especially for our purposes talking about gender, the earth creature is gender neutral. Because as Dr. Tribble explains, the earth creature is not male. It isn't the first man. Instead, the earth creature here is precisely the only human being and has so far not been sexually differentiated. Say that again. The earth creature here is not male or female. It is the only human and so far is not sexually differentiated. Sexuality and gender do not become part of this story until after the woman is created, which necessitates our second Hebrew lesson for the day. So again, repeat after me. Is. Is. Well done. Now, Isa. Isa. Is is the Hebrew for man or husband. Isa is woman or wife. And neither word, and this is important, neither word appears in the Genesis text until after the woman is created. As Tribble says, the new creature, built from the material of Ha-Adam, is female, receiving her identity in a world that is altogether new to the story. The word is Isa. Before the woman, the earth creature is alone and androgynous. But in the creation of this partner, the earth creature not only speaks for the first time, but self-identifies his own gender after acknowledging the woman's. And let's be very clear here. The earth creature does not name the woman as it does the rest of Yahweh's creation. Did you notice that? For the word Esau is not a name, but a common noun. It distinguishes gender. It does not specify a person. Add to that the awareness that the word Esau, woman, appears first from the mouth of the omniscient narrator, not from the earth creature. And it becomes clear that Ha-Adam, God's first creation, is not the one determining who the woman is. And now let's talk for a minute about that pesky rib that is so often used to put women in our place. The word there is tesla, and it can mean rib, but it can also mean boards or chambers. And in 15 other places in scripture, 
It can mean side. That might not sound important, but it's significant because rather than thinking about a rib being taken out of Adam, it's more accurate to think of a side being removed from Adam. I know that doesn't seem like much of a difference, but again, as Will Gaffney notes, the transformation God performs is akin to cellular mitosis. One is divided into two. Or as the earth creature says, woman is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Both are built from God's raw materials. Both owe their origin to the creator. Both are unique, one-of-a-kind creations by a God who delights in the very process of creating. Adam was masculine, strong, capable. He must have been a handsome spectacle as he stood there, clean, fresh, pure from the hand of God. Those are not my words. (laughs) That is the beginning of William W. Orr's 1950 book, Plain Talk About Love and Sex for Christian Young People. (laughs) I think you can see where we're going. Orr continues. Possibly six feet tall, muscular body, square shoulders, deep chest, prominent chin, with perhaps a dimple in it. (laughs) Every inch a man's man. Eve must have loved him so much it hurt. It was 1950, friends. And Eve, what a vision of perfect delight she must have been. Her skin soft and lovely, her hair long and silky. I'm sure her form was feminine to the core. She must have had delicately formed hands and dainty feet. Her eyes were blue as the skies above, and her lips shame the redness of the rose. Surely the admiration of her husband must have been nearly worship. Here's the beginning of God's sex plan, manly men and womenly women. Manly men and womenly women. This is the kind of language and theology that continues to be preached from pulpits and drives book sales all over the world. But both, as I hope I've shown you this morning, are the result of not taking time to study the Genesis text very closely, of not paying attention to its wordplay and its poetry. Such an understanding is lazy, it's self-indulgent, and it's not nearly as complex as this text is. I also think it's a dangerous rhetoric that twists the beauty of God's story, God's playfulness and joy in creation into a commentary on gender roles that not only does not exist in this text, but that continues to name women as second-class citizens and just ignores the existence of the LGBTQ community. My friends, this creation story is just that. It's a story about God creating life from breath and dust. It's not a story of gender roles. It's not a convenient way to tell women we're inferior to men and that we should spend our time submitting to our husbands. If anything, woman is the culmination of creation, made by God to be the earth creature's equal. Now, gentlemen, this is not a story that seeks to define you by your manliness or that requires you to be stoic and emotionless, lest you be called a sissy or told to man up. The representation of masculinity presented in this story is all about mutuality and being most apparent in relationship with your chosen partner. Finally, this is not a binary story, naming men at one end and women at the other, but a story that embraces all of that gray all of that spectrum in between, a story in which androgyny exists and through which our gender-fluid and gender-nonconforming siblings can see themselves in God because God's first creation embodied both genders. And the good news this morning is that no matter what name we use for God's creation, at its core, this creation story, at its very core, is about relationships and the end of loneliness. Perhaps it's because God herself was lonely before creation. 
After all, what good is it to be an omnipotent and all-powerful creature if you have no one to share your life with? So God gave life to an earth creature and then a woman, and a love story began, not just between them, but between God and her creation. It's a love story that continues to this day, and God is just as interested in being in relationship with us, just as interested in us finding partners and friends so that we are not alone, just as interested as being our God as she was, of being God in the beginning. So what's in a name? The devotion of our creator and God who has loved us since our very first breath. Class dismissed.
water 